0: Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Now is the time for the leader to qualify. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm still Susan, compulsive overeater. Nice to be here. Ellie, thanks so much for asking me to to uh, share. I was gonna say, come and share. Come into my, my guest room and share. Um, boy, I'm so happy to be here. This meeting, the kitchen sink, I stood up here as a newcomer. And um, I think at that moment, it was probably the bravest thing I ever did. Until that moment, um, it was pretty scary. It was it, it was in the room, actually, obviously, and um, and it was just kind of the it, the beginning of a, of a life that um, I guess be uh, yeah my wildest dreams. So anyway. Uh, last October I celebrated 36 years of continuous abstinence and um, thank you and um, I have about a 50 pound weight loss and what that means to me is I don't have to buy new clothes all the time I have clothes it's kind of weird to say but I have this uh, this jacket that I wear and I thought about it the other day and I thought I think this jacket is like 15, 20 years old, you know, something like that. It's crazy, but, um, but I love it. So I keep it and it fits and, uh, it's a remarkable thing. It's a remarkable thing for a compulsive overeater who got made fun of when she was a kid because of her size, um, who was put on a diet when I was 10 years old, I was put on my first diet and What that did was just kick in the whole diet mentality, you know, because after that, every day I would wake up thinking, what diet am I going to be on today? Um, And in the beginning, it was my mother's diet, which uh, was fine for whatever. Um, But um, that's what I did. I was obsessed with diets. I was obsessed with food. I was obsessed with my body. Um, I started hating my body at a really young age because, as I said, I was being made fun of. So I think I was about six when I started. When there were people around, I would stand behind things so people wouldn't be reminded to call me names. And I. Um, yeah, six years old. I have a son. Um, actually he's 13 now, but when he was six, when he turned six, I was reminded of that. And I thought he's so little, he, he's such a little person, you know, and to hate your body at that age. I, uh, I really felt, I really felt bad for myself. I really kind of, uh, Kind of wept inside so um food started calling to me when i was about four and i remember my first conscious memory of being uh obsessed with food like it was yesterday um somehow i think the older you get <laughs> the the memories of how many years ago it is just kind of gets smaller and smaller and smaller because to think that that happened all those years ago. Um, And I can remember it like it was yesterday. So uh, I I also wanna say this about food. I think in my childhood, I probably would have died of loneliness if if it wasn't for the food. I think that food saved my life as, as a kid. I really do. I had nobody I could trust. There was no one. I was kind of betrayed by every adult in my life. Um, And I felt alone. I felt very alone. And I can remember stealing money from my mother uh, or father, actually, you know, change on the the dresser or something, even in her wallet, and buying food and taking that first bite and just that relief uh, in the moment of something. I didn't even know. I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, uh, it was probably the sugar at the time that was really, because uh, that's what I bought. And so that was, um, that was my fix. That was my fix. And uh, I did that for many, many, many years. um When I was about 20, I think I was living in New York. I had a roommate and she came in to me and she said, um, and we we're always talking about diets and we always bought every magazine that had, you know, lose 10 pounds by yesterday on the cover and we would buy it and we would discuss it and how we were going to do everything. Um, of course we never did. Um, uh, oh, I should tell you my first diet when I was 10, I lasted five days on it, which was kind of miraculous. Um, And it really got so bad after a while that, you know, I would decide in the morning what diet I was going to be on. And then, you know, by 10 o'clock, it was it was over and I would start tomorrow. I'm I'm a big I'll start tomorrow person. That's that's my go to. She said to me, I figured out how to eat whatever I want and not gain weight and sounded like the best diet to me. And she said, uh, I asked her what she did. and She said, I make myself throw up. And this was in the early 70s or something. There was no word like bulimia. There was nothing going on in our world like eating disorders or anything like that. I didn't know that it would, there was something that maybe wasn't uh, quite right about that. Um, and I thought she was brilliant. I thought she was brilliant. So um, I immediately put it to the test and I immediately loved it. And um, in the first year of doing that, probably I probably did it maybe like three or four times, you know, probably on Thanksgiving and my birthday and what, what else, whatever else. But um, and that would have been fine if I really if I was practicing that bulimia three or four times a year, I wouldn't be here. It's totally manageable. But um, as it tells me in the, uh, in the big book, I have a progressive disease. And, and I think about probably in about seven years, I was doing that up to 10 times a day. And um, really on weekends was a, a prisoner of my uh, apartment. Um, it was a big secret. Nobody knew about it. As I said, people weren't talking about it. And and it was something that brought me a lot of shame. I knew it wasn't normal. I knew that my friends weren't doing this. And I even used to wonder, it'd be like a Sunday afternoon or something. What are they doing that they're not thinking about food? what are they doing that they're not running out to buy food that they absolutely had to have, had to have? What are they doing? And how are they like existing in the world? And honestly, I didn't know. I had no idea what, uh, what they did um, to make their life like that. Uh, because I was, as I said, I was a prisoner Um, I, uh, and I did that and I, I, I practiced that for about, I think about (laughs) 10 years or so, 10, 15 years. And then, um, I wasn't able to, for some reason, I wasn't able to purge anymore or whatever, but I kept eating like a bulimic. And, um, I once read that the average bulimic binge is between like 50 and 60,000 calories. I mean, it's some ridiculous amount of food. And uh, I really, my weight for being, and oh, I should mention I was a failed bulimic because I really couldn't uh, uh, keep the weight off. For some reason, I just kept gaining weight. And then when I stopped, I knew somebody who who came here. He actually is the person who named this meeting, the kitchen sink meeting. His name was Gary. He is, uh, he's not with us anymore, but... Um, he was the one he sat next to me when I, when I uh, came in and stood up as a newcomer. And I knew he had come here. I knew that he lost 100 pounds and never gained it back. And also what I knew about him was when we would go out to eat, he kind of ate like a normal person, which I had never. It was I, I, I couldn't believe it because in front of other people, I, you know, did that. I ate like a bird. you know um and there he was and I remember once he had like a roll and butter at lunch and I thought "Ah, how is he doing that you know in front of me and there he is losing 100 pounds um and um and he stayed here he stayed here until he died and he was sick but he stayed and he stayed abstinent um he's a great guy so I came here and um, I heard about the God stuff. And I literally, I fled. I fled, I didn't want to hear about it. I, I had my time with God, I didn't, I didn't like God, God didn't answer my prayer, I, my prayers. I had some demands on God and I, I didn't get what I wanted. So I, I decided that there wasn't a God and people who believed in God were stupid. That's, that's what I decided. So I remember I went to five meetings in five days. I bought the big book. I read it. And anytime it said God or uh, providence or our creator or father or any of that stuff, it just really turned my stomach so badly that I threw the book out that night that I started reading it. I wanted none of it. And, you know, I just kept on eating. As we say, I had more eating to do. So um, I stayed away for about three years, came back. And by the time I came back, I was willing to do anything. I had what we call the gift of desperation. I was willing to do anything anybody said. And even I was willing to entertain the notion of a god because i just i just had to stop eating i i couldn't stop i couldn't stop on my own i just it was impossible so i came i sat i was quiet i listened i actually even took notes in in the beginning and um and i got a sponsor And I called my sponsor every day. I did whatever she suggested that I do. Um, And read the literature. I kept doing the deal. I did the whole thing. I threw myself totally into it because like I said, I couldn't stop eating. And uh, by that time, I didn't even know what to eat. I was like a whirling dervish around food so um so the god thing was the little tricky thing here i see is there a timer ellie is somebody timing me okay how much time do i have left
1: you have uh about six and a half minutes
0: Six six and a half okay thanks john okay i'm gonna uh speed this up so the god thing i really had a i had to go through a process of um finding a higher power and what i did was i basically i pretended i had a higher power i acted as if another great suggestion here you know acted as if i do something that I, I don't believe in but willing to believe because i act i noticed and this was a a big turning point for me i noticed that anybody who had what i wanted here anybody who had a weight loss which is of course why i came in um Anybody who had serenity, I had never seen serenity without putting something in somebody taking drugs or drinking or whatever. I had never seen somebody who was really comfortable in their own skin. And um, and I wanted that. And I wanted that more than anything. And the, the common denominator for all those people was they all had a higher power. And they were all close to that higher power. So I, uh, like I said, I pretended that I had a higher power. And one day, I uh, I was reading the Big Book, and um, you know, I heard a voice. I was the only one in the room, and um, I realized that that was my higher power. And it's funny because I was so elated at the time, and I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that now I was one of those people who believed in God because I had nothing but disdain for people who believed in God. And now I was one of them. Um, I didn't talk about it much. I uh, I think it was a Sunday. And I remember I shared about it the next morning at um, it, there used to be daytime meetings at, at the log cabin every day. And um, I shared about it and I was embarrassed sharing about it. Um, but I still, I kept going with it. I started praying. I started doing everything. I I thought I would, um, I started to try and memorize like the third step prayer. And um, I thought this prayer is so long. I'm never gonna memorize it. I'm never gonna be able to get it in my head. And I used to practice it as I would take walks and stuff and hold the little card. So, um, I didn't get abstinent right away because uh, I think for me, this my story, I had to kind of develop that God muscle and really kind of learn how to use it, you know? Um, so I got uh, abstinent and I continued working the steps and I continued doing everything. I really threw myself into the program because I was that desperate. And also because I started feeling better even though I wasn't abstinent, I still, I would talk to my sponsor and she would say, say things about how she responded to life and how she looked at things that were so different than anything I had ever heard. Anything. And it was comforting to me. And I thought, oh, I, I could do that too. I could, you know, not judge people. Ah, there's, a, there's a thought. You know, I could not gossip about people. Another amazing thought, you know, um, and it was just slowly, slowly for me. And then uh, one day, I was uh, I was reading the newspaper, and um, there was peanuts. I never read it before. I never read it since I was on the third step. I didn't know how to turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, and so. I looked at this Peanuts cartoon for some odd reason. And um, so Charlie Brown has a book and Lucy's on a swing. And Charlie Brown says to Lucy, do you know it says here that it takes 365 days for the earth to revolve around the sun? And she's swinging and she said, really? And he says, yep, are you sure about that? Says it right here. And the last frame Lucy says, well, that's funny because I thought the world revolved around me. And my first thought was Lucy too. That was my first thought. And I remember I pictured like this globe on my head, you know, those globes from elementary school spinning. And I just gave it to my higher power. And that's how I was able to work the third step. Um, and that's, basically how I was able to really change a life and be abstinent and continue to eat pretty much like I eat today. The difference between today's abstinence and when I started is there are a couple of foods that I had to um, put on because during abstinence, I started being obsessed with you know and giving too much it wasn't even that i was eating them so much I was there was too much faith there was too much uh, chatter in my head about them and you know the minute i gave them up you know that I told my sponsor i wasn't gonna you know I was gonna be abstinent from these foods it was freedom it's the most amazing thing and i think for me that's the difference between OA and a diet is that when i was on a diet It was, I felt deprivation. I wanted the foods that I wasn't supposed to have. um, And that's all I thought about. Here, uh, I don't even, I'm not even sure why. But when I gave up those foods, I felt free of them. Uh, That's time. That's time. I felt free of of the obsession. And... It's just, it was remarkable, and it continues to be remarkable to me. And the foods that I'm abstinent from today have no power over me. They kind of, they don't really exist in my mind, and if I see them, they mean nothing. It could be a postage stamp, you know what I mean? They have no power over me. And, um, And that's the way I continue to live my life today. I do what I did in the beginning, I still have, I have a sponsor. Um, I write, I write a letter to God every day. I uh, read literature. I pray, I meditate. I do everything it tells me to do. There's nothing original in my life about how I'm living it. I, I do what I'm told to do. And today I have, for a good amount of the time, not always, that serenity that I saw in the beginning that I wanted so badly and I have it here and I have it here thanks to all of you who come and keep this going and um thanks to my higher power so thanks Ellie thanks for letting me share this is the time for questions only there is no sharing at this meeting if you need to share please do so with any one of us after the meeting Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click on the raise your hand icon. Okay, let me get. No questions? I don't see any. Ellie, did you have a question? Yes, I do. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, would you talk about the role that service plays in your recovery? I would love to talk about that. Um, I uh, I learned early on about doing service and I had a service commitment even before I got abstinent. Oh, and it was at this meeting, actually. I was the literature person at Kitchen Sink. And, um, I have really, uh, until my son was, um, started taking up a lot of my time. I had service commitments. I had commitments at the meeting level. I, um, always had a commitment at the meeting level. I, uh, served on the board of the, uh, intergroup. I've, uh, shared the uh, birthday party. I, um, co-wrote the play one year for the birthday party. I've sent articles into lifeline. I am a service girl. I, and I do it because I want to keep OA going. And, um, and I want, uh, I wanna carry the message of what I was given and the freedom that I have been given around food. And so I do it. I'm a big, big believer in service. And uh, yeah, that's we need it. We need it. That's what keeps us going. Oh, also I sponsor. I, I started sponsoring, um, after I finished the fifth step, my sponsor said, okay, you can sponsor now. So, that's it. thank you. Uh, Marcy. Hi, Susan, Marcy, Grateful Compulsive Overeater. Um, You've helped me so much about body image stuff. Would you share a little bit about how we get to a healthier body image? Um, Well, (laughs) that could take three hours. Um, But for me, um, I work the steps around body image. And um, for those of you who don't know, um, I, uh, with Colleen, who lives in the Valley, we do a body image workshop for OA. And uh, we've been doing it for, um, gosh, about 15 years now. And what we do is we go through the steps and uh, we have questions that relate to body image for each step. And also, and this is, I think, really important for us, everything that we talk about is backed up by literature. So if I'm talking about the first step, I will, um, read quotes from, uh, any of our literature, including, you know, AA literature, big book and 12 and 12 and, um, and do that. Um, so, to, you know, we back it up, it, you know, like I say, like I said, there's nothing original about what I, uh, talk about. And, um, by doing that, I have been able to uh, accept my body, be grateful for my body, you know, that it's strong, it's healthy, gets me where I want to go. And um, I get peace around it. So that's what I do. Oh, I should plug this now. We're doing the body image workshop at the OA birthday party again this year. So um, (laughs) come on down doing it Saturday thanks Arlene we're doing it Saturday uh from two to five and um it's great for me to do it all the time too and uh and and just um be reminded of uh be reminded of all those things and be reminded of um how my higher power sees me it's a very important thing how does my higher power see me so does that help you that answer your question that help you oh she's uh she's um thanks okay let's
1: see Tom hi there I'm Tom a compulsive eater and yeah. uh in relapse at the moment i I heard in your share about you know you got to a point where you were so desperate that you would do anything anyone told you. I don't know how to get myself to that point. I know I'm in trouble, but the concept of imagining getting a sponsor and doing anything they tell me to do, I'm not there. I I, I can't see myself doing that. So I'm scared that I now need to wait until I hit a further bottom that it gets bad enough, or is there anything else you've done or others have done that gets you to that point without having to bottom out? I don't know. So, any thoughts you have on that? Thank you. Okay.
0: Thanks, Tom. Um, I can only answer for myself. I needed to hit a bottom. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to stop eating compulsively, but until I was so desperate that I would do anything, there was no, there was, there was nothing. You know, when in the first step when they say we're powerless over food. Um, I was powerless, and until I was ready to change my way of thinking, my way of living, until then, I'm sorry, Tom, I got nothing, I have nothing to offer you. That was it. I was desperate. I crawled in on bloodied knees like everybody else at this meeting. You know, nobody skips into OA, that's for sure. And um, I was willing to do what anybody suggested that I do so sorry i hope you get there quickly thanks deb from arizona
1: hi there thank you so much deb food addict um first of all i want to say sorry there goes the dog that your workshop has really saved my sanity so first of all thank you for that second is can you talk about relationships and how um you know we your relationships um, have changed through the years, you know, before program and, and being in program, um, if you could talk about that.
0: Oh, boy. Well, in about six hours, I'll, I'll talk about how that's changed. But um, I came in here, I came in here, um, let's see, uh, not being honest with people. I, I, I said what people, what I thought people wanted me to say. I um lived for other people. I got my self-esteem from other people. If you said that I was good, I was good. If you said I was bad, I was a piece of shit. You know, that kind of thing. And that's I was um oh one time one time I was in therapy before program and I said this to the doctor, he's a psychiatrist at UCLA. And I said to him, Why is it that I can only feel good if somebody tells me that, you know, I I said, I feel like I'm like outer directed. And he said to me, well, that's just the way some people are. He said that with a straight face. Um, I've learned since that's not the truth. (laughs) He was very wrong. As I paid him, he was very wrong. And, um, I get that now from within, I get that from uh, really a relationship with the higher power and I I heard this once, when I, if I want self-esteem, I must do esteemable acts, that's it. I've learned to be honest with people. Um, just yesterday I was talking to my sponsor, I was having a little dilemma about how honest to be with somebody and um, I did that, uh, I'm in a relationship. And boy, that's tricky. That's, that's really tricky, uh, sharing my life and my home and everything with another person. It's the best in the world, and sometimes it could be the worst in the world. But I've learned to hang in in relationships. I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed. I have commitments to relationships. Uh, and what that means to me is having a commitment to any kind of relationship, friend, friend, spouse, whatever, is that um, I make a commitment. And that commitment means I'm willing to work through whatever comes up. Because you know what Deb, something always comes up. So I just, I'm in it. I'm in it with the people who uh, I love, I respect, who I feel their love, their respect to me. So thanks. Okay. no other questions oh melissa hi susan so great to see you and hear you today thank you will you share with us what your daily spiritual routine looks like thanks yes um so i have i've talked about this for at least 20 years i have this little book and it's like a memory book it's called for five years it's a five-year memory book Oh, it's over there, but um, I, no, I'm not gonna run and get it. Anyway, Every for every day, every date, it's got about three lines for five years. And um, when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do, really, before I do anything else, um, is I write in that book. And my two lines that I get, two or three lines, and I write. I and I read this prayer once, and I loved it. And um, and I just changed it for myself. And and I write, I rise to, left for to do Your will. Thank you. And did I hear something, John? Did you say something? I'm, I'm sorry. Five minutes left for q Okay, thank you. I rise, God, to do Your will, and I put a little XO there. I have been doing this at least 15 years I think I've gone through three books of this I have another one waiting in the wings but I'm just on the uh tomorrow uh I'll start a new page in the beginning of the book and um so I have four more years on this book I do it every morning um and usually I just have to hit the ground running in the morning so that's that's what I do right away um because I've got to get my son to school, got to feed the dogs, you know, do stuff like that. So, um, and then later on, I write a letter to God. I uh, meditate as often as I can, get, a, cho- get a, a chance to do that. meditation has been a, a tough road for me to find something that um, really resonates with me. So when I'm really stuck with meditation, I go to the um, AA 12 and 12, step 11, read that prayer. I do exactly what he says to do, you know, picture yourself on the beach, read the prayer, really go through it, really see what this man is talking, the guy who wrote the prayer, see what he's talking about, and, um, and do that. And... I try to behave in a way that I think my higher power wants me to behave. I think that's probably the most spiritual thing I can do during the day. Is is that I, I want to make my higher power proud of me, really? Because I've been given so many gifts, I want to kind of give back. So, hope that helps. Thanks, Frank. Oh wait. Raj.
1: Yeah. Raj. Sorry Raj. Go ahead. Raj. Sorry Oh Frank. yeah, hi uh, Raj. Uh, I got a question. Um, I'm involved in uh, a couple of legal disputes uh, related to my uh, former job and I'm dealing with a lot of conflict uh, almost on a daily basis with paperwork and legal proceedings and It's uh, very triggering, and it inevitably leads to the food. And it's the primary reason I'm still in relapse. And, you know, I'm well over 400 pounds now. And uh, I just first wanted to express that. But second, um, you know, something that right now I can't let go of because it's uh, related to my financial security. So uh, any recommendations on your experience? What do you do in a circumstance like that when you're dealing with constant trauma or conflict and, uh, inevitably leads to the food. Thank you. And appreciate your lead.
0: Did you have a question Raj that I did not hear? I'm sorry. I didn't hear the question.
1: Oh, uh, um, like how do you maintain abstinence in a situation like that? Uh, where constant triggers of
0: trauma. Okay. um, Sorry for all your problems you're going through. Um, my abstinence is black and white. So either I'm abstinent or I'm not is really how I look at it. And I cannot let, just like I was talking about a minute ago, a couple of minutes ago about how I always relied on other people to tell me how I was doing. And today I, I don't do that. I, I can't do that, but, but today I don't. And my abstinence can't go, can't depend on outside, <clears throat> excuse me, outside it, outside sources. My abstinence is very internal. It's very connected to my higher power, who helps me with that on a daily basis. And um, and you know what? It's a choice. I'm either going to be abstinent or I'm not going to be abstinent. And it can't, as I said, it can't have anything to do with any outside issue. It, it just can't. Uh, otherwise, I'd, I wouldn't be abstinent. I'd always find something to eat over. I would find something to eat over, something big, something little. Stub my toe, yeah. Elections, yeah. Whatever. So, uh It's just, I think, a choice for me to do that, to do the work for it. And um, yeah, I hope that helps. Uh, Frank, now Frank.
1: Yeah, I know it's time and I don't really have a question. There's just a request that came in through the chat. Uh, If you could please post the body image workshop information. Uh, And if you're not able to do that, maybe somebody else in the meeting can do that too.
0: Uh, uh, Okay, Um, I can just say that uh, it's coming to uh, to the birthday party this year. Saturday at two o'clock. So that's the next one that we're doing. And um, yeah, I I can put my, uh, my number in my um, email or my number in so I can do that. So thanks Frank. I'll do that. Thank you. I'll be here announcements because I think I'm done now. Yes. I'm done. Thanks. Thank you everybody.